0: of a series called The Week That Changed the World. I don't know if you've ever done this. Um, if you ever read the gospel accounts of Jesus, what you ought to try one time is just checking out and seeing how much of the life of Jesus is actually talked about. Because what I found to be fascinating is, is that if you look at the book of John, half the book of John deals specifically with Jesus' final week. And if you go look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are what they call the synoptic gospels because they all have a similar type flow of thought and flow of pattern, what you'll find is is that about a third of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is filled with just the final week of Jesus. Did you know that? So when you think about how these guys compiled everything that the Holy Spirit led them to put into their writing, you've got to think, for these guys, a third of it was all about, what, Jesus' final week. So three and a half years of ministry. And John even said, look, we don't, we don't even have the ability to write down everything Jesus did. Like it, we, We'd run out of paper. It just, there's just not enough to talk about all that he was and all that he did and all that was going on. But if we could just share with you a glimpse, and out of this glimpse, I want you to know, like, a huge, huge, huge component of it was just the final week of Jesus. And we believe it is the most important week in all of human history. That there is no more important week than what happened here. And so Jesus has some fascinating things. Jesus does some some parables and some fantastic teaching there. He actually does some some kind of end times. How many of you are end time people? You like to get a little spooked out by like, you know, blood moons and, and, and 666s and... Russia and China and Europe and the Roman. Uh, yeah, you love the beast and the third head and there's a there's a there's a little horn on the end of the horn. That's at like, the horn thing and then you're all into the end time. Jesus has like it talks talks about end times, so bit. he he does some incredible. I can't wait to get the next week. Next week's going to be fantastic. But everybody say but there's something that he spends a lot of time on in in the book of John. In the book of John, it, literally Jesus takes about three chapters. To talk about one subject. One, one chapter is just loaded with it, and then in, like, the conversation just keeps going all night. Basically, Jesus has a teaching, and he explains some things to the disciples, but they're so intrigued, and as the, the, they, they, they go on the move and start walking, and as they're walking and moving, and it, they just talk about it the whole night. And so, how many know if, if there's three chapters in the book of John that talk about one specific topic and one specific thing? How many know that might be what? That might be kind of important. That might be kind of, it's kind of a big deal. So in John chapter 16, what I want to look at with you is is something that Jesus, let's just get into it. John chapter 14, verse number one, this is going to be a little bit more of a teaching Sunday. Um, This is how it opens, and this is some very familiar scripture. He says to the disciples, after he tells them, I'm going to die and I'm leaving. I mean, that would flip you out if you were following this guy for three years. And he says, I'm going to die, they're going to kill me and I'm out of here. You would be nervous. So he says these words, do not let your hearts be troubled trust in God and trust also in me because in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, uh, no, we don't Lord. We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, and these are huge, huge words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. And so this is the opening part of John chapter 14. Now this is him setting the tone for, I'm leaving, but don't trip. I'm leaving, but you don't have to be afraid. I'm leaving, but guess what? Here's why, here's why it's so important. He goes on to say, it's actually better for me to leave, and I'm going to tell you why. And they're like, no, don't leave us. It's better for me to leave because if I don't leave, I can't send the person that I want to send to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you because I'm in a body and I'm limited by time and space. I cannot be in all places at all times, in all things, in all ways. I just, I'm limited because I have restricted myself down to a body so that I could come and model for you and be a sacrifice. And so what I need to do is this. I need to go. But when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. Now, here's the problem. The problem that you and I run into is this. Is that when we start thinking about the Holy Spirit, we are automatically jaded. You're jaded. Did you know that? I'm jaded. You're jaded. And here's why we're jaded is because most of us, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we don't think about the Scriptures or we don't think about the words that Jesus actually talked about the Holy Spirit. We actually start thinking about everything we've ever seen, heard, experienced, what that church was like, what that goofy group did, what this church was like, what they were doing. And we have a mental picture in our mind of who the Holy Spirit is, not based on what Scripture says, not based on what Jesus just said about it, but by, but by some kind of experience. But I need you to know, like, this was a big deal to Jesus. So it kind of needs to be a big deal for us. There's a reason why he took the time and all this time to talk about it. As a matter of fact, he even talked about it. We're going we're gonna to look at all of John chapter 16 today, and, and, or at least break it out in pieces. But even after he was risen from the dead, when he came back, he was still talking about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Acts he says this, In Acts, he says, for John baptized with water, In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, again, if Jesus takes this much time to talk about it, it's got to be pretty what? It's got to be pretty important. This is a big deal, but yet, let's just be honest. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know that the Holy Spirit has somehow become the most divisive, and controversial subjects sometimes inside of Christianity, like it just calls these blinds of division and well, we're with this group and we're with this camp and we believe this and we believe that. And so there's a ton of confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit today. I'm going to make it real plain. We're going back to the simple words of what Jesus said, because many of us. We, we fall into two different categories when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And there's different groups and different extremes that you take when you take the Holy Spirit. Some people, I think, kind of overemphasize and make it the, the only thing and the main thing. And then some people, because they're kind of nervous about the whole thing, underemphasize it. And don't know what to do with it. And so they just leave it alone. Now, as a matter of fact, that was the church I grew up in. People asked me when I got older, um, and I was still like a, a young student at Bible college. And they would say, well, what's this? What's this? I was like, I don't know. Well, what did your church teach? They just didn't teach it. They just thought if we don't say anything, maybe no one will dabble or get into something goofy or weird. That was kind of the church I grew up on. That was there. that was their. If we don't even explore it, nothing crazy can happen. So shh. I mean, we believe in him. He's there, but we don't know. And so, so anyway, and, and I think when you take the other group that, that sometimes overemphasizes it, what you run into is, is you run into the other thing. Because what I did was is after growing up in a very conservative church as a kid, I ended up going to a very charismatic Pentecostal uh, Bible college. And so I saw stuff that I'd never seen before. I saw things I, I didn't know existed. I, I saw things I wasn't sure about. And so, and, and they, th- this was a Holy Ghost church. Now, do you know the difference? There are Holy Spirit churches. And there's Holy Ghost churches. You know what I mean? Like, like they want to freak you out. Because it's a ghost. How many of y'all grew up with like ghost stories? You, how many of you love a good ghost? Come on, this is, you don't have to be... I love a good ghost story. Remember you remember a kid sitting around a campfire and somebody would tell a freaky ghost story and try to make everybody scared and scare the children. As a matter of fact, when I was a youth pastor, we used to do this to our kids when we took them to summer camp. We just try to scare our kids. It was just fun. And so, so we enjoy a good ghost story. But like, unfortunately, if, if you've been exposed to certain types of environments and atmospheres, you have other ghost stories. You have holy ghost stories. And they scared you all the same. Like some of you have been scared away from the person of the Holy Spirit, just simply by what you saw and what you were exposed to. Is anybody out there like that? You went to a church and your eyes were like this. You're like, oh dear God, what have I gotten myself into? Oh dear Lord, what is going on? What, what is that woman doing? And you saw stuff and it freaked you out. Now here's, here's the thing that we cannot do. You cannot, cannot, cannot do. You cannot make doctrine based on experience. You have to make doctrine based on Scripture. Does that make sense? Because everybody sometimes has different experiences and different ways of feeling and thinking and being or whatever. And so we're not going to take what they did and say, well, that's the Holy Spirit and that's how, how He is and who He is and what He always is. We're going to take Scripture. And so today I'm going to simplify it and we're going to go straight back to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Because whenever there's that confusion, whenever there's that either I don't know or I've been freaked out Well, again, many of us were jaded, and so because we're jaded, we're confused. How many know when you're confused, you interpret everything differently, don't you? As a matter of fact, there was a woman, it was the funniest story. She was a Cadillac camper. How many know what that is? RV camping, and and, and she's a very proper woman though, very, very proper woman, but she loved RV camping. And so she would contact campgrounds in advance, and she wanted to make sure that whatever campgrounds she went to had a great toilet facility. I mean, that's important. And so she wrote this campground before she visited to make sure they had proper toilet facilities. But she was so proper when she was writing her letter, she felt weird saying the word, toilet. Or, you know, she just didn't know how to word it. And so she thought she'd go old school and use the old, like, toilet commode or bathroom commode. So she tried it all kinds of different ways until she felt, you know, I'm just going to put BC, bathroom commode. I'm sure that'll make sense to these people. These are RV people, right? And so she sends a letter saying, hey, what kind of uh, of BC do you have there at your facility? And so the RV manager gets it. And like has no idea what that means. Like B.C., B.C. Like I don't know what she's asking about. So he starts asking his employees and some of the local uh, staff and campers and people that are around. And nobody knows until one person pipes up. It's like, I know what that is. I grew up in a Baptist church. That B.C. is Baptist Baptist Church. That's what that is. And so the RV guy goes, great. He goes, I'm going to write her this letter. This is is what he wrote. He wrote, dear madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter. But I now take pleasure in informing you that a B.C. is located nine miles north of the campground and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it is quite a distance away and if you are in the habit of going regularly. But no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make a day of it. They usually arrive early and stay late. It's a beautiful facility, and the acoustics are marvelous. Even the normal delivery sounds can be heard. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago. And it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you to know that right now a supper is planned to raise money to buy more seats. They're going to hold it in the basement of the B.C. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly. But it surely is no lack of desire on my part. As we grow old, it seems to be more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. If you do decide to come down to our campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time to go and sit with you and introduce you to all the other folks. Remember, this is a friendly community. Sincerely, the RV owner. It's confusing, isn't it? That's confusing. I don't understand. I'm confused. That's how many of us are. I'm sorry. That was too funny not to share with you. That's how many of us are when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so we have these barriers when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Barrier number one is this. I, I think we just all deal with ignorance. Like, like, like at some point, we just don't know. Uh, depending on if you didn't grow up going to church, you're like the Holy Spirit, huh? Is that like the force? Like Like the force be with you? Is 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 it like Metechorians involved? Is it is it what what is that thing? You know what I mean? Like, is there a dark side? I don't understand. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is the third person of the Trinity. We believe that God is one and yet three all at the same time, and that there is Father and there is Son and there is Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a thing. It's not a force. It's a person. And so, but many of us, we are afraid to kind of go, go there because we, we just don't know anybody. The second one would be this. I think at some level, many of us deal with fear. Like we had our ghost stories. As a matter of fact, I had a young man. I was a youth pastor and we were doing baptisms, just good old fashioned water baptisms. And I'm like, you know, I, I thought you signed up for baptism. You backed out. He goes, yeah, yeah. My friend told me a story about getting baptized. And I was like, what's, what's, what's wrong? What's your story? And he goes, well, I've just heard that if you get baptized, you start speaking in a language and people don't understand you. And it just something takes over you. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking? This is water baptism. But he, somebody had told him baptism is like a Holy Ghost baptism. And he was going to speak in tongues. He was so afraid of the thought of, of anything like that happening. He decided I am not getting baptized because that not, that's not going to happen to me. Lastly, is this, is I, I think many of us, sometimes we just, we just resist. As a matter of fact, let's listen to this scripture real quick here. Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Peter's preaching a sermon, and he's taking on the religious people that killed Jesus. He said, you stiff-necked people, with your uncircumcised hearts and ears. That's a, that's a rebuke right there, isn't it? This is how the Jewish people would speak. They didn't speak in plain terms. They liked speaking in kind of analogy and metaphor or whatever. So to be stiff-necked means to be what? stubborn but they wouldn't say you're stubborn you got a stiff neck and then they wouldn't say that you have heart issues <laughs> to be uncircumcised in your heart was to not have a covenant with god or not to be open to god or not be connected to god let's let's, let's just keep moving so you are just like your fathers that's just another insult they're like you're just like your dad um you always what resist the Holy Spirit. And many of us, many of us have those experiences. We have these moments when we become followers of Christ where, where something on the inside of us, we don't know quite maybe how to define it, or maybe we do something on the inside of us nudges us to go do something or nudges us not to go do something. And we just, uh, and we just clench up and just, I'm going to, i ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to go keep doing my thing. And we have our ways of resisting. We all have our barriers to how we would receive the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, here's the problem, though. If you live a Christian experience, because I know you like the Father. Who doesn't like the Father? Everybody wants a good dad, right? So we're cool with the Father. We like Jesus. Jesus is cool. Jesus is hip. Jesus has got the robe and the Birkenstocks, and He's hanging out with children. He's got the lamb thing. He's got blonde hair and blue eyes. He's got. He's just a nice... He's friendly... I can handle... Jesus died for my sins. I'm so... Jesus taught some of the most amazing, brilliant things. I'm totally down with Jesus. All of a sudden, like the Holy Spirit... I don't know about that. I'm not 100% sure about... The Holy Spirit. And so so we just have this kickback. And the problem is this is Jesus made it a huge point to say, I'm leaving, and it's better that I leave so that I can send someone to you. And he was called the Holy Spirit. It was actually the word parakletos in the Greek. Everybody say para. Para, para just means to come alongside of. So the, the parakletos, if you read depending on what maybe version of the Bible you have, you'll see the words comforter, helper, advocate. That's who the Holy Spirit, he wants to come alongside of you and help you. He wants to come alongside of you and be with you. He wants to come alongside of you and empower you. And many of you are living maybe less than lives because the Holy Spirit's not active. Have you ever ever had a sin that you wanted to overcome and you kept getting mad at yourself because you kept doing the same thing over and over and over again? You're like, why can't I overcome that? I would say there's there's a strong indication that the Holy Spirit's not operating in your life. Because you're, you're, you're kind of dealing with uh, uh, your own strength, your own abilities, and what God wants to do is give you the upgrade. He wants to give you Jesus inside of you all the time. Let's take a look at, at the Holy Spirit in, in some specific scriptures. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit, number one, is this. The Bible says... That he will be with me. This is the scripture. Again, this is all John chapter 14. Jesus says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another. Everybody say counselor. Remember I told you it was comforter, helper, advocate. This is a translation that says counselor. Like which word is it? It's all of them. It's an all inclusive big word. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of you and be your counselor and be with you forever. This is how it works, is, is, is that many of you have something that you don't ever use. Did you know that? Like, me, okay, does anybody have a house? Yeah. Depending on what kind of wife you have or wife you are. Do, do you have special towels? Yeah. Do you have towels that you can't use? Yeah. You got the soap that's in the shape of an animal and it still looks like the animal because nobody uses that soap, yeah. which is probably not good. That you have guests, and yet the soap has still never been used? Does that make sense? So my, my point is that some of y'all in your house, you have like super towels that you don't ever use, right? And you have super soap that you never use, and you have certain components of your house. I want you to know, it, it, it's time for you to access every part of your house. Does that make sense? Like, like, I determined at some point in time, like when my wife's not around, I'm just going to use that soap. This is a confession. When, when, um, uh, Mom, if you're listening, I want you to know, I always use those towels. I just would like do this with them. You know, you wouldn't want to like super mess them up because then mom would know. But I just want you, I always used them. This is me just clearing my conscience. It's a confessional moment with you. Some of y'all live life like that. Some of y'all live life and you've got a comforter. You've got something in your house that is there to help you. And yet you are not taking full access to it. But the Bible, this is what Jesus simply said. He would be your comforter, your counselor, your advocate, and he would be with you, Number two is this, the Holy Spirit not only will be with me, but he will teach me. Listen to this, John 14, verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but like if you ever, especially maybe as a new believer, go back in your mind, hopefully this, you've got some breakthrough in this area. Do you ever remember trying to read the Bible before you became a Christian or maybe as an early Christian and it made absolutely no sense whatsoever? You ever look at it and you're like, this is just weird. This is even the way the words are on it. It looks like it reads like a Greek manuscript or like, you know, like if I, I, Ikea instructions. So it, it, it just nothing is clear. Nothing makes sense. And then all of a sudden... You become, I, remember when, I remember when I was 17 years old and I became a Christ follower and I'm, I'm at a summer camp and I, I feel like God touched my life for the very first time and literally it's where the, the scales kind of came off and I felt like my eyes were open. I'm telling you when I read the Bible from that point forward, stuff would begin to leap off the page. Have you ever had experience where the scriptures jumped out at you? Where they leapt inside of your heart? Where you had that like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Oh my gosh, I didn't know. Wow. And you know what? You'd look back at that stuff now and be like, well that was so simple. But at the time, it was mind-blowing. What was going on? The Holy Spirit was showing you things in Scripture that you had never, ever seen before. Now, if you're out there and you say, no, Todd, I still read the Bible <laughs> like the first way you described it. I'm telling you that, that, that you're living. Without the upgrade. You're living without Jesus on the inside of you being able to teach you things. And I'm telling you, when you have the Holy Spirit, not only is it when, it, when you read Scripture, but even as you walk throughout life, the Holy Spirit is there to illuminate, to kind of just make the light bulb come on. To, to You'll see experiences. You'll see things in your own heart. You'll begin to see things in your past and be like, oh my gosh, that's why... I, That's why I did that. I I, I didn't know this whole time I've been blinded to why I always lived like that or reacted like that or behaved like that or made those kind of decisions. All of a sudden, just uh, your your eyes are open. You begin to see stuff you never saw before. Who does that? You didn't do that on your own. The Holy Spirit does that because he wants to teach you. Number three is this is, is he will help you or he will help me share Christ. Listen to this. When the counselor comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. Like, I I need you to know this. Like, the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. I don't know if you know that or not. This is where sometimes I run into problems with people who maybe are on the overemphasis area of, of the Holy Spirit thing because really when you read the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never makes it about Him. Does that make sense? And He for sure ain't making it about you. Who is the Holy Spirit making it about? Jesus. He is here to testify about Jesus. He is here to to make the name of Jesus famous. He is here to be all about Jesus. And so when you find experiences where all of a sudden it's all about, because it's, it's weird in certain church circles, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have kind of hijacked the Holy Spirit himself. Where like certain 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 camps make it all about the gifts. That's just not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit doesn't make it about Him. It doesn't make it about His gifts. It doesn't make it about you. The Holy Spirit is always making it about Jesus. If you want to see a place where the Holy Spirit is really running rampant and powerful, it's where the, the name of Jesus is being made known and being powerful. Because the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. But not only on a corporate level, but even in a personal level. Like some of you are deathly afraid of like telling other people that you're a Jesus follower, or telling people you go to church or telling people that you follow Jesus. That you just, it's nerve-wracking. Some of you are scared to tell your friends about it. And so I, I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit, and I know this because I remember being a young person who was always kind of, intimidated and scared and didn't like talking to people. And I remember when I felt like the Holy Spirit empowered me and I began to follow Christ. I'm telling you, man, I didn't care who you were or where you were coming or going to. I was willing to tell you about Jesus. And it just never fazed me. And some of you, you, you have that struggle like, oh, I don't want to know, or I don't want to, what do they think? Peter's a great example. Just days before, or just just really hours before Jesus was crucified, Peter gets so scared to tell a slave girl... About who Jesus is. Or to say that he's with Jesus. Or that he follows Jesus. He's so afraid that he actually denies Jesus. And denies that he even knows him three times. To a little slave girl that's only 13 years old. I mean, that's, that, that's intimidating. Okay, fast forward 40 days. 40 days later. On the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit empowered all the disciples. And Peter preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. So how do you go from... Can't tell a 13-year-old girl that I follow Jesus to preaching to thousands of people. What, what's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the, the very people who conspired to crucify Jesus, they bring him in after this to basically kind of like try to threaten him, to tell him to shut up and to be quiet, and he rebukes them. He's fearless. Where do you get that from? I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit gives you that power, that boldness, and that, that courage to just, man, I, I want to tell the world and make sure everybody knows that I'm with Jesus. And if they're with Jesus, their life is going to be more abundant and blessed if they do so as well. Can I get an amen? So, number four is this. He will convict me. He'll convict you. The Holy Spirit is the, the thing on the inside of you that connects with your consciousness to say, No. There's something not right here. No, that would be wrong. No, that's going to hurt somebody. No, that would dishonor God. No. Or, or sometimes it's, it's the yes inside of you. It's a conviction to go do something good. Like some of you, some of you have had moments where you're like encouraged to like give or maybe to start tithing. Or maybe we're, like I said, maybe we were building a well a year ago and you're like, I, I want to give. And, and you had this moment where you felt urged or convicted to do something. That's the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, what's fascinating is this, is as you obey those nudgings of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's kind of promptings get even more clear to you. It gets easier to follow. I mean, because you just, you just go with him and you trust him. Does that make sense? So some of you that have those bad or kooky or weird or off or, or, or just don't know experiences about the Holy Spirit, here's what I want you to do. Just start with a clean slate. Just say, you know what, forget everything I've ever known because, again, it's all influenced by either culture or other churches or some good or bad experience. Forget all that. Give the Holy Spirit a clean slate. Trust God and just listen to what Jesus has said about him. It's not hard. It's not difficult. God's wanting to empower you at a greater level. He wants to give you that conviction that that lets you know, no, this is not right. No, you shouldn't go there. No, you shouldn't do that. And not guilt you and beat you and shame you and make you feel like an awful, wretched person, but to say, no, that's not going to be good for your life. And as you obey him, I'm telling you, his voice gets even stronger and more clear as you obey. Number five and lastly is this, and we'll kind of wrap this up He will guide me. The Bible says when, the, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the guide. The Holy Spirit is the guide. Listen, 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 listen. Life is challenging enough. And there's so many times we come to a fork in a road where we come to decision making process about do I take this job or that job? Do I date this person or that person? Or do we do we move here or not move here? Do we do these things? What do I need to do? And sometimes that's the big question we all ask ourselves. We want to know what's God's plan for our life. Who do you think it is that is the ultimate guide into God's perfect plan for your life? It's the Holy Spirit. Don't you want him as your guide? Don't you want the God who knows all things and sees the future preparing your path? Isn't that the best person that you can have next to you, alongside of you, with you, teaching you, guiding you, convicting you? This is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so it's as simple as, as, as that we've got this incredible, this incredible person at our disposal that wants to be there for us and wants to speak into our life. But again, the kickback is, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I saw some weird people. (laughs) Uh, I've got a ghost story. It's the holy ghost story. And and so we have these kickbacks. I want to encourage you. You need to get the upgrade. You need to be open to the Holy Spirit's activity and movement in your life. Because it is the difference maker. Last little illustration, and we'll close with this. There's a a very famous um, place in Texas. It's called the Yates Pool. And it's based on this guy who was a rancher back during the depression named Mr. Yates. And as a cattle rancher, he had all kinds of cattle. But during the depression, everything was going bad financially. And so he was just losing money and losing money and losing money. And, and he's sitting there thinking, I'm going to have to start selling cattle and I'm going to have to start selling land. And, and he is literally to his very last penny. And a friend says to him, he says, Mr. Yates, you know what I think you might want to do? You need to have some seismographic Scientific folk come in and just just have them take a look at your land. So he brings in these people to take a look at his, his land. They start realizing that he is sitting on a oil reserve. They dr- start drilling down. They get down to eleven hundred feet down deep, and this is what they bust open. Their very first breakthrough, the first well they gained to, had eighty thousand barrels a day. How many know that will change your outcome? Well, that's not all of it, too. When, when they continued, many subsequent wells ended up being twice as large as that. And in fact, 30 years after this discovery, they, they, they say that these wells still have the potential flow of 125,000 barrels of oil a day. Wow. Sitting on a gold mine. Or black gold. Texas tea. <laughs> Y'all want to sing? No. I'm moving to California. <laughs> Okay, so, so this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, "Out of you will flow rivers of living water." Out of out of you, there, there's something on the inside of you that God places inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit, and as you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, as you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, to come into your mind, to become your counselor, your guide, your teacher, your advocate. Your conviction, your, to let the Holy Spirit come in, what you end up doing is this, is you end up tapping into the resource that is God in you. Then you start living with the upgrade. Let's pray this morning. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Father, I pray so much that, God, we would be open. There's so many of us who have had weird experiences or negative experiences or bad experiences or no experience. And so, God, I pray that our heart is just open. Our, our heart would be open just to say, God, Yes. I don't know everything, and and I don't have to have everything figured out completely, but but the answer to you, God, is yes, because I trust you. Father, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. And, and, And Jesus, if this is what you said was more important, if you said this was a big deal, then I want to be open to it. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Become my guide and teacher and advocate and counselor and comforter. Empower me to live for you, to declare your name. God, to live righteously. God, I just pray that you would be in us. And that we would surrender to your ways. That we would surrender to your will. That, Holy Spirit, we would allow you to do what it is that you do. To be a person in our life. Not an it, not a thing, not a force, but to be a person in our life. That guides us, helps us, teaches us. And helps us tell the world about Jesus. Jesus. As a matter of fact, if that's you in here today and you say, Todd, that's me. I've never really known. I've never really, I've been nervous. I've been scared. But that's me today. I, I know I need the Holy Spirit in my life. If that's you, just slip your hand up in the air and say, that's me. I just know. I, I, I've been resistant. I've been afraid. I didn't know. That I, just I, That's me today, Todd. You were talking to me. I know I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah, I see hands up all over this place. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be nervous about. Nothing is going to just overtake you and control you and make, the, no, 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 no. He's your comforter. Why would the comforter do something to scare you? Why would the counselor lead you to do something crazy or dumb or awful? No, no, no. You can trust God. So God, for those of us with our hands raised, we just say yes to you. God, we pray the Holy Spirit. You'd come in and you would have absolute authority in our lives. That you would have your way in our lives. That you would speak to us. You would guide us. Teach us. Do what it is that you do, God. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. And we all said, Amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?